0: Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 11 tonight, and I'm so grateful that we get to study through the Bible. Uh, To be honest, there's part of me that was like, Lord, it's such a tough book to go through the book of Jeremiah, but the Lord is always reminding me, you know, hey, it's all uh, profitable. And so if it were up to me or maybe up to you, you know, every time you guys go up, you probably share a message of encouragement. Hey, God loves you. You know, he's going to make a way. But um, when you're reading through the full counsel of God, you're going to get challenged. And so today, God is going to show us something. And we're basically looking at this nation that was judged. In 586 BC, the Babylonians came, they conquered, and they carried them away into captivity to, to Babylon for 70 years. And so we see this And hopefully we learn from this. Now, I know this is a bigger conversation, so I need to be careful. But I will tell you about something that that happened a while back. It was a while back. We were at home. We were watching the news. And we were seeing uh, uh, something, I think, that a lot of people uh, saw. It was was widespread news. And basically, it was a man who was being confronted by the police. And the man um, eventually was shot and killed. And so we were watching this whole thing, and again, I know there's always a, a lot more to the story than we might realize, but one of the things that I was telling my kids and watching the whole thing go down is, if you're ever pulled over by a police officer, just do me a favor, cooperate with them, okay? If they tell you to put your hands up, then put your hands up. If they tell you to you know, sit down or whatever, just you know, make it easy for them and and learn perhaps from the mistake of this young man who did not cooperate and therefore lost his life. Now, again, there might be some out there, well, he shouldn't have pulled me over and this and that. And yeah, there's merit to that. And I realize the conversation is bigger, but all I'm trying to say is that if you want to save your life, then you got to learn, I think, from these things. You know, and all of you guys here, you know, praise God that you're here at a midweek service. And praise God that you even came when it was so cold at night. I was thinking, man, God, you're going to give them extra points, man, for being here because it's cold. But, you know, I mean, none of us are like, I don't know how your life is going to unfold. Will you continue to follow the Lord? You young people, a lot of you young people, maybe you're here because you have to be here. Will you continue to go to church when your parents don't force you to? You know, I mean, my prayer is that as we're learning these things and we're seeing the way that God is holy and God is is just and God warns that we would take these things to heart and that we would learn, you know, that you know God will bless obedience. But if you choose not to obey insistent, consistent, resistant, persistent sin, then you will suffer the consequences of that as well. Okay, so he loves you. You guys know that? You guys know he loves you? Amen? Do you love him? The way that we know we love him is how? We obey him. That's what Jesus said. And so look what we read here in Jeremiah chapter 11. And remember, you guys, I'm using the New Living Translation Because I'm leaving the 99 and going after the 1. There's a couple of young people here. There's a few young people here. And it's a little bit easier for them to understand, okay? So bear with me if you have a new King James. But look at verse 1 of Jeremiah 11. It says, the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, remind the people of Judah and Jerusalem about the terms of my covenant. There's that word, covenant with them. You know, we are in a covenant, you guys. I don't know if you realize it or not. You got the old covenant of the Old Testament, but now you have a new covenant. Now, a covenant is agreement between you and God, between us and, and Christ. He does what he did for us, but we also have a part to play. and We have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then from that point forward, if we want to really receive the fullness of the blessings, we have to obey, not to be saved, but because we're saved and we want to be blessed. And so remember, it's a covenant between us and God. And so he's talking about this in verse 3. He says, Say to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Cursed is anyone who does not obey the terms of my covenant. Okay, so there's a warning there. This individual who doesn't want to obey will be cursed so let me ask you a question what's the opposite of being cursed blessed anyone here want to get blessed if you want to get blessed then just simply obey that's all you have to do and so right here he says cursed is those who don't verse four for i said to your ancestors when i brought them out of the iron smelting furnace of egypt If you obey me and do whatever I command you, then you will be my people and I will be your God. Verse 5, I said this so I could keep my promise to your ancestors to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, the land you live in today. And then I replied, Amen, Lord, may it be so. You know, Jeremiah here is sharing with them. He's saying, you know, we... Uh, you people, Jews, you entered into a covenant. It's over in the book of Exodus. And so let's go there real quick. Exodus chapter 19. Remember, God brought them out of Egypt. Right here, he describes it as an iron furnace. And here in Exodus chapter 19, look what it says in verse 3. It says, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. You know, it's very simple. God says, I saved you. You guys know that he saved us, right? The Jews would always look back to the time that God brought them out of Egypt. Now, you guys know if you read the story that it was such a, a crazy, amazing, miraculous miracle that the, that the Lord of the universe would defeat the strongest nation on earth, 10 plagues, and set them free. Three million Jews coming out of Egypt. I mean, it's just so amazing. So the Jews have always looked back to that. We always look back to the cross as Christians. We look, the way that we look back to the cross and resurrection, they look back to the redemption from Egypt. And God says, remember I brought you out of there so that we can have this relationship. And so here's the here's the guidelines, here's the word. If you want to be blessed back in the book of Jeremiah in this land that's flowing with milk and honey, all you have to do is abide by my word because I know, God says, I know how life works. And so we go back to Jeremiah and this is all the Lord is saying. It's this covenant relationship between two parties. God says, I love you. You're my people. And I want to bless you. I want to bless you. And this is how it's done. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands on the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Why does he meditate day and night? Why do you read your Bible? Do you read your Bible? Why do you read your Bible? So that you can learn how to live life, who God is, and what we are to do as His followers. And so the laws were for their own good. So we read in in Jeremiah chapter eleven, verse six. Then the Lord said, "Broadcast this message in the streets of Jerusalem." You guys didn't know how they had radio back then, huh? No, it doesn't say that in New King James, probably. In the New Living Translation, it says, "Broadcast this message." In the streets of Jerusalem, go from town to town throughout the land and say, remember the ancient covenant and do everything it requires. For I solemnly warned your ancestors when I brought them out of Egypt, obey me. I have repeated this warning over and over to this day. Verse 8. But your ancestors did not listen or even pay attention. Instead, they stubbornly followed their own evil desires, and because they refused to obey, I brought upon them all the curses described in this covenant and so you know we're we're in church, you guys, and you know I guess. For the most part, you know, most of you here are probably thinking, Manny, I love the Lord. I'm not going to go and and get high and drunk and sleep around and do all the crazy things the world is doing. But you never know. Like even in here, there's some people that you might get tempted. And what God is just trying to say is that, listen, I I, want to bless your life. And so he's warning them. These are the things regarding the covenant. And all I'm asking is if you want to get blessed That you would live according to the word. And God is saying to Jeremiah, I warned your ancestors. I I warned them, but they wouldn't listen. As a matter of fact, when you look at the history of Israel, you guys know, right, that in 722 BC, the Assyrians came and they took the northern kingdom away, captivity to Assyria. And so they know God had dealt with them, warned them but they didn't listen. It was, now it's going to be, think about this, you guys, 800 years he had warned them, you know? And so here we are again, and God is saying they didn't listen. They stubbornly, unfortunately, did the things that they wanted to do. You know, I was thinking about that passage in Leviticus. Let's turn there real quick, if you would. Leviticus chapter 26 And you can also read this in Deuteronomy 27, 26 and 27. But God just basically says, if you do this, I'll bless you. And if you do this, you're going to essentially curse yourself. And so here in Leviticus 26, notice what we read here in verse 27. In verse 27, it says, and after all this, God says, if you do not obey me, but walk contrary to me, then I also will walk contrary to you in, in fury. And I even, I will chastise you seven times for your sins. This is this is so, so sad to read, but look, it, it, God warned them in advance. He says, you shall eat the flesh of your sons and you shall eat the flesh of, of your daughters. And you're wondering how in the world could it ever get to that? And basically, what had happened was that their city was surrounded; it was besieged, and to the point where they ran out of food. They had no food, and so the corpses that died—they were in condition to, to, to where they actually ate their their children. And so, this is how ugly it can get, you guys. Now, prayerfully, none of us ever reaches anything, any anywhere near anything like that. But my prayer. Is that none of us would even need to be you know, severely chastened in our life as a Christian because we know his love and we just love him back. You know, I got saved when I was 22, whatever, 23 years old. I was a young adult. And I, I'm not, I didn't live a perfect life, but I will say this that I followed him for the rest of my life. I didn't backslide. You don't have to backslide. And so God is saying right here, this is the warning. Look at verse 30. I will destroy your high places, cut down your incense altars, and cast your carcasses on the lifeless forms of your idols. And my soul shall abhor you, God says. I will lay your cities waste and bring your sanctuaries to desolation. And I will not smell the fragrance of your sweet aromas I will bring the land to desolation and your enemies who dwell in it shall be astonished at it. And here it is. I will scatter you among the nations and draw a sword after you. Your land shall be desolate and your cities waste. Then the land shall enjoy its Sabbaths as long as it lies desolate and you are in your enemy's land. Then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. And so there are people suffering the consequences of their disobedience today in different ways. And I will just say this, they can't say that God did not warn them. Because he did. He did to the very detail. He told the Jews, he told Israel, he told Judah, he said, listen, if you continue to live according to the old, your own dictates of your own heart, then eventually the day will come where I will scatter you. And that's exactly what ended up happening to them. They didn't obey, in spite of the repeated and passionate warnings over the centuries, and in their stubborn refusal to do things God's way, they could only look forward to the curses of the covenant, and God does keep his promise to punish now, as I'm reading this, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I hope you're not up there you're out there thinking, manny, he, he, manny." He, man he's thinking he's Jeremiah, you know, and i'm he's you know talking at me and stuff, and I want you guys to know this that when I read this i 'm talking to myself i 'm examining my own life, and we 're going to see later on, do I have any idols that i'm putting before God? Is there any behavior in my life, and I think of my life in my heart, I think of my life in my mind, I think of my life as a husband, as a dad, as a son, as a friend. Every single title and task, every role and responsibility I have, I I bring it all before the Lord. And I'm like, Lord, is there anything in my life that needs to change? And you know, and the Holy Spirit will speak to us, and sometimes He'll do it over and over and over again. And so we really need to listen. And so I don't want you guys to think that I'm, you know, up here being like Jeremiah. No, I'm with you guys. I'm I'm out in the pew. And I'm listening to this because I know that God wants to do a work in my life. And so here they are. These guys were guilty of conspiracy and idolatry. Look what it says in verse 9, Jeremiah 11. Uh, again, the Lord spoke to me and said, I have discovered a conspiracy against me among the people of Judah and Jerusalem. They have returned to the sins of their ancestors. And here it is. They have refused to listen to me can I just pause there for a moment to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit as far as I'm concerned is the most important thing in your life because I you know I'm just a man I can't really tell you what's going on you go to Bible studies you read your Bible things like that but the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and he knows exactly what's going on in your life and he will tell you things outside of the box if we listen. You know, when was the last time the Holy Spirit told you to do something that you would not naturally think of doing that was against your will and you did it? A lot of times what is happening is we're just doing things. Yeah, I want to do it. Yeah, I like to do it. Yeah, this is cool. And when, when was the last time he ever asked you to do something different? Different than what you would naturally be inclined to do. Like, like for example, what Jesus did, who died on a cross for us. When is the last time you chose the cross? All I know is that, listen, we got a personal relationship with God. and, and, And my prayer is that we, myself included, we would listen to the Holy Spirit. This is what their problem was. They refused to listen to me. It says, and and are worshiping other gods. Israel and Judah have both broken the covenant I made with their ancestors. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring calamity upon them and they will not escape. Though they beg for mercy, I will not listen to their cries. Then the people of Judah and Jerusalem will pray to their idols and burn incense before them. But the idols will not save them when disaster strikes. Verse 13, look now, people of Judah. You have as many gods as you have towns. You have as many altars of shame, altars for burning incense to your god Baal as there are streets in Jerusalem. I mean, it's crazy that this would happen to them. I believe and i, I don't know I, I just i just this is strong in me that the, that we are are naturally inclined to backslide, that if you're not growing, you cannot stay stagnant There's, It's impossible to stay like in the same place as a christian that if you' unless you're growing, you will backslide. And that's what happened to them, unfortunately. Rather than growing forward, they went backwards. They went back to idolatry, which is another thing I think we are naturally inclined to do. We are naturally inclined to worship someone other than God, especially ourselves. And so as a result of this, this would lead to inescapable calamity to the point where you know, when they would offer up their prayers and their prayers were so pathetic, so weak, so anemic, so lame that, that God says, I'm not going to hear your prayers because you know just as well as I know that those are not real prayers. And there's a lot of people that eventually they reach that point. You know, and in all reality, God's saying, I see what's going on. You know, they, they didn't want to, to Listen. And so my encouragement to you to, to go against the flow, I mean, most people, and I've been a pastor now for, I don't know how many years, maybe 30 years, 27 years, something like that. I have seen so many people backslide. I have seen so many people with so much potential miss out on the calling on their life and i think for us my my prayer is that we would just never settle spiritually because if we do settle down then it's not going to be good and so we need to grow you know if not what happened to israel and this is here for us as, uh, over and over again is here for us as an example right it, this might happen to us in different ways you know they went back to their idols and their prayer would be completely without power And they might pray, but God says, listen, I see the rival thrones that are in your heart and I'm not going to answer. I mean, imagine reaching a point where your prayers, God did no longer hear your prayers because of the fact that our hearts got so hard and that's the way it was. And these days, I mean, there there was a God for every city. There was an altar for every street. And so it made me really check my heart. Lord, do I have any idols? Do I have any idols? And we'll talk about this as we go through tonight. You know, for us, there's no other God than the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one and only God of the Bible, right? The creator, redeemer, maintainer, the lover of our souls. There's only one. You know, I was thinking about the challenge that Joshua made to the people close to 800 years earlier in Joshua 24 and verse 14. It says, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. And he said, serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, here it is, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the God of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. He said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, and they had come from this place of, of pagan, you know, and of course we know the plurality of gods, and that's kind of how it was in those days. And they had come out of that, and now they come to Canaan, but now there's all these gods. And this is, think about it, early on in their history. Joshua, he, he hadn't died yet. I mean, he had led them into the Promised Land, but in his lifetime, they already started worshipping other gods. And so we'll talk about this, but but we have to be really careful. Man, we have to make sure the Lord is number one, number one. And so we read in verse 14, God says to Jeremiah, pray no more for these people, Jeremiah. Do not weep or pray for them, for I will not listen to them when they cry out to me in distress. What right do my beloved people have to come to my temple when they have done so many immoral things. Now, I know the New King James says lewd, but believe it or not, it's not really lewd. It's more immoral. So this is one where the New Living Translation gets it right. Can their vows and sacrifices prevent their destruction? And the New King James says they their holy flesh. In other words, they're bringing these sacrifices, you know, these meat offerings And God says, is that what I'm looking for? Those sacrifices? Can their vows and sacrifices prevent their destruction? They actually rejoice in doing evil. God says, I, the Lord, in verse 16, once called them a thriving olive tree, beautiful to see and full of good fruit. But now I have sent the fury of their enemies to burn them with fire, leaving them charred and broken. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, who planted this olive tree, have ordered it destroyed. For the people of Israel and Judah have done evil, arousing my anger by burning incense to Baal. And and again, you guys, my prayer is that we would never have to experience anything like this, in part because we're reading about what happened to them remember i always tell you guys that there's there's a few ways to learn things the best way to learn something is to read your bible okay that's the best way to learn something uh, another way to learn is from the mistakes of others right you can see oh man they died or whatever they they went to jail they got a divorce you can learn from their mistakes and then the third way obviously is to learn from your own mistakes, prayerfully we do. And some people, however, they never learn. And so we're reading right here, we're reading what happened to them and we're like, "Lord, don't let it happen to me." God tells Jeremiah how they crossed the line and in one sense it was too late. Their hearts got too hard. You know what right did they have, you know, going to the temple? When in all reality, they did not have a heart for God. At one time, they were right on. And it says right here that God called them a thriving olive tree. A thriving olive tree. Now, you guys know that olive, olive oil is good for you. Uh, you guys, did you guys know that if you drink or whatever, I don't know if drink is, or eat whatever, a teaspoon of olive oil every day, that you could prevent a heart disease? They say, they say it lowers your blood pressure and it has these uh, you know compounds that offer anti-inflammatory antioxidant properties and there's so many things that help us uh, in our our health and of course we know that as we're looking at this olive oil in the old testament that olive oil would be pressed and it would be given to the priests and it would be the it would be what kept the fire burning in the holy place and so olives eventually became synonymous with prayer with passionate prayer and so at one time when god you know would look at these people they were just beautiful they were like this olive tree you know this place not only of olive oil but also of of fruitfulness a, as a vineyard i once called them a thriving olive tree Beautiful to see and full of good fruit, God says. But now they are really, in one sense, only good to be burned. Now, I don't know where you guys are. You know, I I talk to different people and it's a trip, man, to see how some people, they do not have like a fear of God. They don't have a healthy fear of God. Now, I don't want you guys to have an unhealthy fear of God. It's not like God is you know, walking behind you and say, okay, if I see you make a mistake, boom, he's going to hit you with a, hand, a pan or something. Not like that, right? right? He's, he's gracious, he's kind, he's loving. But Manny, you know, thinking of myself, Manny, you know better. You know better. I mean, you have been walking with the Lord for how long? And You read your Bible and you got a congregation that is praying for you. And you, you better not go over there, and you better not do that, because, you know. And the Lord puts a fear inside of my heart. I wish there was more of that in the church. Not, not an unhealthy fear. God is gracious. God is loving. But sometimes you see people they, they, they slander, they, they backbite, they, they say things about their other, their brothers and their sisters, and it's like, man, don't you believe? In God? Don't you believe that God is everywhere and He hears everything? How can you be there, say you love God, and then talk about the His children behind their back? That's why you can talk to my wife, and she'll tell you, man, for sure, I, I don't practice any of that because I fear God and other things, you know. So All I'm saying is when we're reading this and we're reading like one time there was this olive tree with a whole bunch of fruit and now they're way over here ready to be burned. I'm like, Lord, instill a healthy fear of you inside my life, inside our life as a church so that we can be holy, Lord. You know, Jeremiah is there and he's sharing a heavy message. Now, I wish I could talk to each one of you tonight. And just ask you, because everybody's different. Everybody's different. Some people are like, yeah, I like the turn or burn messages. Some people are like that, you know. (laughs) Others are like, man, that guy, he needs to relax, you know. Tell me about God's love. It's kind of funny how different people are, right? All I know is this, that when Jeremiah is there standing outside the temple, when Jeremiah is there preaching the message, there are some people that just hated him for that. And they just wanted him dead. And so we read in verse 18, it says, Then, then the Lord told me about the plots my enemies were making against me. I, I was like a lamb being led to the slaughter. I had no idea that they were planning to kill me. Let's destroy this man and all his words, they said. Let's cut him down so his name will be forgotten forever. And so Jeremiah prays, O Lord of heaven's armies, you make righteous judgments and you examine the deepest thoughts and secrets. Let me see your vengeance against them, for I have committed my cause to you. And this is what the Lord says about the men of Anathoth who wanted me dead. They had said, We will kill you if you do not stop prophesying in the Lord's name. And so this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says about them. I will punish them. Their young men will die in battle and their boys and girls will starve to death. Not one of these plotters from Anathoth will survive for I will bring disaster upon them when their time, and that's interesting, It's, it's going to be their time, when their time of punishment comes. And so, they wanted to kill Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah said, man, I didn't even have a clue. These guys wanted to kill me, but the Lord revealed it to him. And it's interesting, the individuals that were leading this whole thing, they were the individuals from Anathoth. Now, have you guys, do you know where Anathoth is? Anathoth is where Jeremiah was from. And so these were his homeboys, man. They wanted to kill him. So we're going to see later that it may have even been from his family and so they wanted him dead and jeremiah then just prays lord you know you deal with it uh it was more of an imprecatory prayer lord you get them right uh, and uh and then the lord answered and said i'm going to as a matter of fact these guys from anathoth they're going to die their children are going to suffer and, and god gives them the whole thing here in verse 23 that they would not survive And so all I would say is that, you know, there's this one uh, verse in the Bible. It says, um, in return for my love, they are my accusers, but I just give myself to prayer. And that's what we need to do. You know, you might hear about something going on or someone's accusing you of something, thing, someone's, there's a conspiracy, someone's against you, whatever it is. My encouragement to you is to take it to the Lord and he will deal with them. You know, the Bible says, God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, uh, says the Lord. And they, 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 they hated the message. They hated the messenger and all that because of the fact that they had all these idols in their life. And so let me ask you guys a question real quick before we get into the next chapter. Do you have any idols in your life? Do you have any potential idols in your life? Anyone here have a statue at home that you bow down to? Probably not, huh? But does that mean that we are 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 free from like the concept of idolatry? I, I was thinking about this, and just to kind of be a little transparent, I'm like, okay, Lord, their problem was they were serving the Baals or they were serving the Ashtaras or they had think about it, a God for every city and an altar at every street. They had all these idols and they weren't serving you the way that they should. And so the Lord was just challenging me. He said, Manny, am I really number one in your life? Like, do you listen to me? And then I tell you what to do that's different from what you would have thought to do and you go and do it because you love me more than you love yourself you know i think that really i think that the 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 number one potential idol for all of us is me like uh they say that self is the the idol to which all men naturally bow down if I'm, if I'm cold, I put on a jacket. If I'm hot, you know, I put on the air conditioner. If I'm hungry, I feed me. I mean, you name it. I take care of me. And so um, I'm not saying you guys got to be weird and not do anything like that. Don't be like Martin Luther who wouldn't, you know, wear, uh, he wouldn't use a blanket when it got cold. But I'm just saying that we tend to have ourselves first. And so number one about me, my will, my will. A lot of people, they have a struggle with that. Well, this is what I want, and this is what God wants. Well, I don't care what God wants. I want what I want. Well, then you're you're idolizing yourself. You're making yourself God. See, when I make myself God, then I've got things like my will, and my comfort zone, and and my throne, and even my phone, if I could just say that, you know? My lust. I want to feast on that girl, on the movies, and the way she's dressed, and the way she dances. I mean, you name it. My lust, my possessions, my money in which I trust, my family, you know? And a lot of times now we can make them idols, and that's why Abraham said, hey, the first time we find the word love in the Bible is I want you to go and sacrifice your son, the one that you love. Because let me challenge you. Let me test you. Do you really love me more than you love anyone or anything else? It could be my ministry. Sometimes people have struggles when, with social media because they worship themselves. That's why we struggle. I don't look like them or I don't have as many likes, or whatever it might be. And it all comes back to the worship of self rather than the worship of God. Believe it or not, and I know this might sound a little funny, but Philippians 3.19 says, my God might be my belly, what I feed myself. All I know is that there's a lot of things, and I was looking at my own life, and I was like, Lord, there's so many potential idols in my life, and I just want to come to a place where you're number one. And I wake up in the morning and I get out of bed and the first thought is you. And then I go and I spend time with you and then you give me marching orders for the day and I march. See, I don't want to be number one. You know, on the heart, every person's heart, there's a throne. Who sits on that throne? Is it God? Because otherwise, we're guilty of idolatry. And I just know it's something that we can all struggle with. That's why John wrote in 1 John five twenty one: little children, keep yourselves from idols. Idolatry brought them to the point that Jeremiah's friends and maybe even family from his hometown wanted to kill him. And, and so with this in mind, look at verse 1 of chapter 12. Jeremiah says, Lord, you always give me justice when I bring a case before you. So let me bring you this complaint. Why are the wicked so prosperous? Why are evil people so happy? Do you ever find yourself looking at other people and complaining to God? Why aren't God? Why am I not blessed the way that they are? This is what Jeremiah is struggling with right here. You you have planted them, verse 2, and they have taken root and prospered. Your name is on their lips, but you are far from their hearts. But as for me, Lord, you know my heart. You see me and test my thoughts. Drag these people away like sheep to be butchered. Set them aside to be slaughtered. How long must this land mourn? Even the grass in the field has withered. The wild animals and birds... Have disappeared because of the evil in the land, for the people have said the Lord doesn't see what's ahead for us. And Jeremiah here, he brings his complaint to the Lord. Um, you guys probably know, some of you know, Psalm 73 is all about that. Asaph was like, Lord, I don't understand why the wicked are so you know, they prosper. And you look at the people in the world today, and you're like, man, it seems like they have it all. They got the money, they got the good looks, they got the girl or whatever, they got the guy, they got the house, they got the car, they got all that kind of stuff. And, you know, perhaps, you know, we ask the question as well. God doesn't necessarily answer this question, but I will say this, as we're looking at this, Jeremiah had the complaint one thing i like about this is that he complained to the lord and that's okay maybe in one sense first peter 5 7 says cast your cares on him because he cares for us and so you can maybe ask the lord but don't let it hold you back because we see there's more to this than those things jeremiah says man i don't get what they're doing they're ruining the land god can you end this evil You know, and we see what's going on in our country today. We wonder, Lord, how long until you come and make things right? But but notice what happens next. As Jeremiah is there and he's complaining, maybe, just maybe, he's on the verge of quitting. Maybe, I don't know. Because look what we read in verse 5. It says, if racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? If you stumble and fall on open ground, what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? And what does the Lord say to Jeremiah in response to his question? Lord, I don't get it. He's complaining. Why are they blessed? You know what God says? Man, if you can't handle this, how are you going to handle the future? You want to know why? Because it's not going to get easier, guys. I think sometimes we think it's going to get easier. It's not. Here we are, at, when was the last time you raced someone? Seriously, when was the last time you raced someone? The other day, I raced Josiah. I beat him. No, joking. I think he beat me. But it was a while back. We're at the movies. I'll race you. And you know, we're racing. And you know, whatever. You go like 50 yards. You know, you're dying. Okay, so... Here we are, we're racing men, and we're complaining, we're getting tired. And then the Lord is saying, well, Jeremiah, if you're tired racing with men, what's going to happen when the cavalry comes? And what the Lord is saying is that these trials are intended to make you stronger, to make you faster. And as we go through these things, what we're going to find is that God is preparing us for the future. I remember even Elijah, when he ran in front of the chariot, and so whatever you do, you guys, I mean, it's okay. Share with the Lord, whatever's on your heart. But my prayer is that we would not even be anywhere near that place that so many people are that they want to quit. No. And when the horses come, and when I was talking to my wife about this the other day, and we were talking about how um, basically as you, if you grow, if you grow, then you will only face stronger demons if you grow. It won't get easier. But the cool thing is, it doesn't matter how strong the demon is. Remember, I always tell you guys, um, you know, the, the devil's no match for God. We're no match for the devil. But First John 4, 4, greater is he who is in us than he who is in this world, right? But we got to make sure we're doing it God's way. And so verse 6, it says, even your brothers, members of your own family, have turned against you. They plot and raise complaints against you. Do not trust them, no matter how pleasantly they speak. Now, this is interesting because as you're going through life, you're definitely going to need that aspect of discernment. And there are people who are for you. And there are people who, deep down in their in their heart, they would rather see you fail. God says, I'll show you. And, and even sometimes, we're here, it's family, it's friends. God says, listen, I will show you, don't don't trust them. Trust the Lord. Verse 7, I have abandoned my people, my special possession. I have surrendered my dearest ones to their enemies. My chosen people have roared at me. Think about this, like a lion of the forest. So I have treated them with contempt. My chosen people act like speckled vultures, but they themselves are surrounded by vultures. Bring on the wild animals to pick their corpses clean. And again, how many of you here, I'm just curious, when you read your Bible, have you discovered that God is gracious and long-suffering? Have you guys discovered that? He is, huh? So, you know, it would be very difficult, I think, to get to that place where these guys are. But just over the years, man, just time and time and time and time and time and time and time again, they wouldn't listen. And so God had to bring them to this place of which he would judge them. I mean, here they were like vultures, right? God says they're like, think about it, a lion attacking God, God, that's how they were. But God says they're the ones that are going to be eaten like, you know, animals. And so it's a horrible place. My prayer is that we would take these warnings to heart. It's a horrible place to be. Look at the judgment. Verse 10, many rulers have ravaged my vineyard, trampling down the vines and turning all its beauty into a barren wilderness. They have made it an empty wasteland. I hear its mournful cry. The whole land is desolate and no one even cares. On all the bare hilltops, destroying armies can be seen. The sword of the Lord devours people from one end of the nation to the other. No one will escape. My people have planted wheat but are harvesting thorns. They have worn themselves out, but it has done them no good. They will harvest a crop of shame because of the fierce anger of the Lord. And again, part of me wishes I could just sit down and talk with you guys, but maybe you should have these conversations with your friends or talk to your family afterwards. And just maybe something you can ask them, you can just talk about, you know, because we want a fellowship. Um, What do you think is going to happen to the United States of America? what 's going to happen to us now isn 't it interesting how putin you know yesterday he, he i think it was yesterday maybe even today i 'm not sure maybe it was yesterday he he said in the in the speech and, and he talked about the West and he talked about how in this you know portion of the world the bad things that we're doing to our children the way that we are the things that we're teaching them and you guys know what I'm talking about right and he even mentioned that that we in the west have taken the masculinity out of God and made him you know non-gender and so you know of course we wouldn't agree with what he's doing the way he's justifying his war but you think about it why would we we're giving him ammunition, we're giving people reason, just reason. Our 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 the West, United States of America, what we're doing to the family, what we're doing it's just crazy. So what will happen to United States of America unless there is a radical revival? And you know, we got this thing going on and people are saying, hey, there's a revival coming. Well, well, revival is gonna. Is, if it's true revival, we got to give it time. It, is this excitement? Is this praise? Is this you know the weeks or whatever? It will. If it's really from God, it will impact the nation. When you study revivals, you want to know what happens when when you look back in history, like real revivals. Bars closed. Churches, not just one churches began to experience revival, not just a a little area of the neck of the woods. And so, you know, for us, looking at these things, we're like, Lord, I see what happened to, to Israel, and I see what happened to Judah, and I see the way these rulers, they ravaged your people, and it really happened. You guys know this, right? That one day that will happen to our nation as well. But to me, I'm like, but Lord, but there are so many people who love you. I mean, look at this guy, Ethan, right here. Lord, he loves you. Or look at this guy, Shelly, or whoever it might be, Randy. You know, we're like, Lord, you can't judge us that because look at, they love you. And that's why the rapture makes so much sense. You take out the church and then you deal with this. I was even hearing today about what's going on. I guess uh, Putin is meeting with the leader from China. I mean, it's heavy stuff. You might think, oh, no big deal. Nothing's going to happen with all that. Oh, man, I hope that things de-escalate, but it sure doesn't look like it's heading in that direction, guys. And so for us, we have to like say, okay, uh, judgment's on the, on the way. And from what I read in my Bible, the Bible says that judgment begins in the house of the Lord. And so we have to be ready for this. And so what ends up happening as we're looking at this, verse 14, now this is what the Lord says. I will uproot from their land all the evil nations reaching out for this possession. I, I gave my people Israel and I will uproot Judah from among them. God's going to deal with Judah, but notice this afterward I will return and have compassion on all of them. I will bring them home to their own lands. Again, each nation to its own possession. And if these nations truly learn the ways of my people and if they learn to swear by my name, saying, As surely as the Lord lives, just as they taught my people to swear by the name of Baal, then they will be given a place among my people. But any nation who refuses to obey me will be uprooted and destroyed. I, the Lord, have spoken. And what God is saying here, and it's so cool how even in wrath he remembers mercy, God says, I'm going to deal with the nations that you know judged my people. I use them as an instrument. They got all you know haughty. I'm going to deal with them. Israel is going to come back to the land which they're there now, right? Since 1948, and not only that, but one day the day will come when they will teach the rest of the world who the true God is. And it's so cool when you look at history and you look forward to what God is going to do how God, at the end of the day, this is where He is. He has a heart for the whole wide world. He has a heart for you here tonight. You know, you're struggling. You know, whatever it is that you're going through, understand that that's God's heart. The Bible said He is not willing, Second Peter 3, 9, that any should perish, but that all should come to the Lord. All should come to repentance. And you want to know what else is so cold? The Bible says that God is for you. Can you guys say that? God is for me. Can you say it like like you mean it? God is for me. God is not against you. God is not against you. I pray you would know that. And so I pray you would follow me.